0: Our Old Testament lesson today comes from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked. And the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you ever have something in life that out of nowhere just seems to show up over and over and over again? Maybe one day you have an old friend that you have not thought of in 10, 20, 30 years pop into your head for some random reason, and then the next weekend, equally out of nowhere, you randomly see them. Or perhaps something randomly reminds you of a book that you read years ago and you haven't thought about since. And later that day, someone references that book. Or maybe you meet someone for the first time in one setting, and then for the following week, you see them randomly in three other settings and wonder why your lives had never intersected. Or maybe you try a food for the first time, and then you notice that it seems to be a dish on every single menu. You didn't ask for these repeat occurrences, but they make you wonder if for some reason you were supposed to notice them. You're supposed to be called to your attention by them. That has recently been happening with to me with this morning's scripture lesson. Of course, it's one that I have been familiar with for most of my life in some form or another. It's a story I know well, but as a guy that spends most of his time in the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, I wouldn't say that I deeply study it more than a time or two a year. Well, that has not been the case recently. Every Wednesday morning here at First United Methodist Church, we have one of the most beautiful things that you can ever see. Children's Chapel. All of the children over a certain age at ECDC and First School come together in the children's worship room for a time of worship with one another. And it is truly the kingdom of heaven here on earth. There are a lot of children in Children's Chapel that are here on Sundays, faithfully. Some of them you might have just seen in the Children's Minute a few moments ago. But one teacher reminded me this week that the Children's Chapel service is the only dose of church worship for several of the kids there. And we never know when someone in there will hear something special about the love of Jesus and have their lives changed forever. Glenda Argo, our director of children's ministry, usually leads song singing, Bible verse reciting, and prayer before story time. Ministers and church staff rotate the opportunity to lead story time. It is usually an interactive way in which a story from the Bible is told and a lesson is taught. An interactive mini-sermon, per se. A few months ago, it was my turn in the rotation. And what was the assigned text for that week in the Children's Chapel curriculum? This passage from Exodus. In telling the story that day, I took my shoes off, as Moses did. I had no idea the hilarious impact that that would lead to have. Not intended, really, to be a joke at all, But the laughter that came from the children from that moment offset all the jokes from my life that no one ever laughed at. There are about 10 kids in the schools that months later will still say, you took your shoes off in chapel. Or, are you going to take your shoes off in chapel again? Every single time I see them. They are weekly, if not daily, Reminders of this passage. Riding in the car recently, my wife, Sarah Beth, out of nowhere, nowhere, said that this was one of her favorite passages in the Bible. I co-lead Disciple One, a 34-week study of the whole Bible on Monday nights, and we have recently made it to the Gospels. With a heightened awareness to this text, I noticed anew that in Mark's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, Jesus makes a brief reference to the story, actually by way of trying to prove, by way of proving the resurrection. So it reached an almost comical point when we were doing worship planning for Lent recently. After prayer and deliberation and discussion, we landed on a Lenten series centering on the I am statements of Jesus and revisiting a book that was popular and transformative when the church studied it almost 10 years ago. When Jay mentioned that he would be out the Sunday in Lent that fell on his birthday, I was excited when he asked me to preach. Jesus' I Am statements fall in John's Gospel, and many of you might know that the Gospel of John is far and away my favorite book in the entire Bible. I was excited. I was going to get to preach John. So when I flipped to the series and found that the series started with the passage, this passage from Exodus, the only lesson in the series outside of John's Gospel, and that that was the passage I would be preaching, I couldn't do anything but laugh. According to one scholar, there are about 330 preachable pericopes or stories in the Bible. And this one just keeps coming for me. Perhaps. God is using it to get my attention. Maybe it is my very own burning bush. What is your burning bush? Take a moment to think about this story. Who or what is this story about? Who or what is the primary figure or character or aspect of this story? Now, we're going to do this with a little hint of children's chapel interaction. Just a little hand-raising, though. Don't get too scared. Nothing wild. And there are no wrong answers here. Raise your hand if you think that this is a story about God. This isn't a trick question. Raise your hand if you think it's a story about God. Raise your hand if you think this is a story about Moses. Some of you may have raised your hands for both of those, which is fine because you could say it's a story about their relationship. Now, who thinks this is a story about Mount Horeb? Not, no one. Raise your hand if you think that this is a story about a bush. A few. Got a few. Raise your hand if you think this is a story about Egypt. A few. Raise your hand if you think this is a story about anything else. Nobody. Good. We, we got everything. If you made me answer, I would probably say that it is a story about God, though I would probably want to say more than just that. I guess I am a preacher after all. Well, I have been hung up on this recently, especially with it appearing as many times as it has almost daily recently. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus says, And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the story about the bush? Likewise, in Luke chapter 20, Jesus says, And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed, in the story about the bush... In Mark and in, I mean, we all, I mean, 99% of us, there are some very smart people out there, apparently, that are most aligned with Jesus. But 99% of us thought that this was a story about God and Moses, and perhaps it still is. But in Mark and in Luke, Jesus references this morning's scripture lesson as being a story about a bush. I have wrestled with Jesus' words on this one, perhaps more than He really intended me to, especially centering around the bush itself. Perhaps I have overthought it, but in preparing for today in the midst of this Lenten journey, I've been focusing specifically on the burning bush and what it might tell us about the God that we strive to know and what it might reveal to us about the resurrected Christ that we prepare to celebrate. Throughout history... Fire has made for a lot of destruction. Smokey the Bear has taught us all how important it is to be careful with fire. We have seen forest fires that cripple whole states and regions started by a single spark. Fires destroy homes, they destroy businesses, they destroy churches even. Fires have taken loved ones Old Testament history of conquest and war tells us of people burning other people's cities to the ground. In 70 A.D., just a few decades after Jesus' resurrection, the temple in Jerusalem was burned to the ground. Fire seems uncontrollable. The Bible as a whole offers us the perception of what God's power and the Messiah's power would be and the transformative reality of what it actually is. The ancient perspective of God is that if we follow our God adequately, and our God is the true God, then God will lift us up against our enemies, and we will beat them and rule over them here on earth. But the disciples revealed to us that following God didn't lead to worldly power but it actually led them to martyrdom and exile, a transformation of what it truly meant to know God. Likewise, first-century Jewish thought ascribed that the Messiah's power would lead the people to overthrow their rulers and restore earthly kingdoms. But Jesus shows us that the Messiah's power means selflessness. It means love. It means being willing to go to a cross for others, and it means resurrection and new life. God and the Messiah don't mean destructive fire, but they mean resurrection and the fire of the Holy Spirit. In focusing on the burning bush, we see that the presence of the Lord is revealed to Moses in the flame of the fire. God's power and presence in the way of fire, especially in the Old Testament, would have been thought to have been an all-consuming flame. The thought is that God's fire would be so powerful that it would burn everything and anything to the ground and to ashes. But what we see is that God's power and presence in the way of fire is the opposite. The fire of the bush is blazing, but it is not consumed. Moses even says, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burnt up. God's fire in the burning bush contains a fire that does not destroy or burn to ash. It doesn't bring destruction to the bush, But God's presence within the fire of the bush brings the bush value. It brings the bush protection. God's presence makes the bush special. God uses the fire of the burning bush to offer Moses words of comfort, words of confidence, and words that tell Moses that God will be with him, and that God will equip Moses for the tasks at hand. God says in verse 12, these comforting words, I will be with you. When Moses asks what God's presence in the fire's name is, God simply says, I am who I am. An assurance that God is God and God is with them. No matter what may come about, God is with them. God is who God is. As our scripture reading concludes, we see God tell Moses, this is my name forever and this is my title for all generations. All generations includes us. For God is with us too. In the context of a bush that doesn't burn to ash because it's burning with a different kind of fire, the fire of the presence of God, I am reminded of the question that you have probably heard us ask here in the beginning of this Lenten season. What do I have that cannot be reduced to ashes? We know the reality is that so much of our lives can, in fact, be reduced to ashes. Our homes can be reduced to ashes. Our cars can be reduced to ashes. This church building and be reduced to ashes. And as we remembered on Ash Wednesday, one day we will all be reduced to ashes. But even then, we remember that God breathed life into dirt before, and God will breathe life into that ash again through the resurrection. And we know that that is true as we cling to those words that God uttered to Moses. I am who I am, and I will be with you. I've spent a lot of time this week, as I do the first week of Lent every year it seems, thinking about an Ash Wednesday from the past. I'm thinking, In thinking about the question of what we have in our lives that cannot be reduced to ashes, I think a lot about Ash Wednesday 2014. Reverend Glenn Pugh was my pastor from high school into college. He was pastor, mentor, and friend, father of two of my close friends, both of which are in ministry today. He poured into me and encouraged me as I was hearing a call to ministry. He made opportunities available for me to explore that call to ministry. He is one of the biggest reasons I heard God's call on my life. On Ash Wednesday, 2014, Reverend Glenn Pugh died tragically in a car accident. It left family, friends, churches, and countless others devastated. On Ash Wednesday, the day that we remember our mortality, those that loved Reverend Pugh were faced with the reality of mortality. His physical body went to ashes, just as we all do, But that is not the whole story. The way that he poured into people was not reduced to ashes. The love that he had shown people, that was not reduced to ashes. The words that he used to inspire his children, the words he used to encourage others in ministry, and the ways that he revealed Christ to others was not reduced to ashes. The ways that he carried the presence of God with him the ways that he showed people that God is always with them, and the ways that he revealed the great I am to others, those will never be reduced to ashes. We all have those individuals in our lives that long after they have been reduced to ashes, we will still remember and be impacted by the love of Christ that they showed us and the ways that they were. The burning bush, revealing that God is with us. God desires to be known by all of us. May we each be consistently finding ways to be the burning bush for others. May we find ways to reveal that God is with us. May we shine the light of the great I am to all, May we each find ways that long after we have been reduced to ashes, our lives will still be contributing to making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. May we know that the presence of God in that bush is present with us as we come together at this table. To the glory of God. Amen.